hello, 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 hello. I can't stop saying hello. <laughs> it's Crystal Meth time with Leslie and Mark. Not going to lie, I was a bit grumpy today, but Mark, you're going to cheer me up, aren't you, with your elemental tales? I hope so. I probably also, shouldn't have. Also, I thought that I did perceive that as the end of the sentence, so I thought, I'm not going to lie, was you being like, it's Crystal Meth with Leslie and Mark, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> of facts. My whole life has been a lie, and this whole <laughs> earth is a lie, and this um, universe is one big myth, and it's just a simulation, and we're all just bits within it. We're all <laughs> just think bits. about that. We're all just a pile of penises. Well, I don't know if I say that. <laughs> we're we're all more just like in the meat. No, that's just crazy talk now. Crazy talk. Like, do you um, you're in a simulation. Like, do you could maybe see all the little zeros and ones in front of you, or have I just lost my absolute noodle? I think I have. I think you have. Yeah, no, I've never experienced that. Mm. I'm convinced. I mean, I sometimes feel like I'm in a simulation, but I've never literally seen zeros and ones floating in front of me. No, I haven't literally seen them, but I'm oh, that's okay. convinced I'm they're, you, I'm convinced they're there. there. No, 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 no. I'm convinced they're there, and and that if I you can somehow unlock it, you would that all the the things that I'm in, like my bed, my office room just now, would sort of melt away, and then you could just see the simulation behind it. That's the crazy part. <laughs> no, I do feel like I'm in a simulation. In your eyes today. Yeah, I've been reading too much about. Myths. This podcast has warped my mind. As we do every week. <laughs> yes. We're talking about Elementals, and it's not the Disney Plus film. Is that called Elemental? Yeah, it's called Elemental. But they're literally about fire, earth, water, but Elementals technically are that, but there's something else as well. But they do represent that, but they're not literal drips of water, if you know what I mean. I realise that the Disney film Elemental, the main characters are a fire elemental and a water elemental. So actually, (laughs) we're doing the exact opposite, kind of. Which one are you doing today? I'm doing Earth. And I'm doing Air. Okay. Was Earth in the Elemental movie? No, there were Earth elementals and Air elementals, but the main characters and their families were fire and water. So the Earth and the Air were just like background characters. Okay, so I read that elementals were invented by, well, the Greeks knew about them, but it was essentially invented by some nutter called, I don't know if I can pronounce his name, but it sounds like something at like Harry Potter, Para, Paracelsus or Paracelsus. Have you heard of this guy? I have because one of the elementals that I'm looking at, like he... Which, to be fair, I think he did with all four. He, like, took existing myths and then altered them to be, like, the four elementals. Yeah. So, what, what, how would you pronounce his name? Oh, I don't know. Pa- Paris or all of us. Pa- para, yeah. Para. Not really. Just on the basis it begins with the P and I like that dinosaur's name. <laughs> uh, where is he? Paracelsian concept of elementals, it says, the history on, on um, elementals. So he was a one of these nutty. We've talked about these people before, like alchemists. And he was around in the six, the end of the sixteenth century. So 
was it about 1599 or his his work it was one of these ones where I think he was a bit culty as well I think he had a bit of a cult like I read that part of his group his group his crew were that he came up with all these elementals and he came up with the mythology behind them and named all the different facets of the elementals like your earth your fire your water and what one of them missed out the air and he gives them different names and he says that they are immortal but they don't have souls and there's something in between spiritual and human and that their one goal is that they have to be bachelors for the rest of their lives because they can't marry human women because that's just meh because they want to help out the elementals by offering themselves as marriage material so that the elemental will gain a soul and that they will gain immortality as a result of marrying one of them which is yeah I mean I suppose it, it sounds good but it's never going to happen is it it's just an excuse to see the why marry anybody Unless he genuinely believed. I'm being cynical here, but I don't know. But then it's also know. weird because he was like, effectively they are, and again, we'll get into it because the one I looked at was adapted from it, but right. he's basically like, yeah, you should be offering yourself up to be their husband, wife, yeah. whatever. But uh-huh. then Spouse. his idea of what the four of them were are gnomes, mermaids, fairies, yeah. and literal salamanders. Exactly. No, but he said that they were that's what they are, but they 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 do have commonly have humanoid bodies, even though they are salamanders, sylphs, mermaids and gnomes. Like gnomes do have human bodies. But they're just very, very small. <laughs> they still marry one. <laughs> I don't know. But when they marry them, oh god, right, he said so he regarded them not so much as spirits, but as beings between creatures and spirits. And they're they're are conveniently invisible to mankind, but they do have physical and commonly humanoid bodies. And they eat, sleep, and wear clothes like humans. Like mermaids wear clothes, I suppose, if they wear shells for brass. Or I'm just, Disney's corrupted my mind. I mean, why would you wear shells for... Do you need that kind of support underwater for your breasts? I don't know. I don't know I mean, why I'm asking you. It's not like you've got. <laughs> it's not like you're interested in them either. But like I'm just saying, like, do you really need? Because surely if you're underwater, the water would would make your breasts float. So you they would be nice and pert and float. Like <laughs> they wouldn't sag. <laughs> but would they be wrinkly? Now I'm just thinking too much about mermaid's tits. Mermaid tits. I don't. Mm-hmm. understand like how he picked which ones to go with either if you know what I mean well maybe it doesn't really matter as long as they marry one of them they get what they want they get to be immoral but then they said that if a elemental marries an immortal being it works the opposite way so they lose their immortality and so does the immortal thing that they're marrying so, like, if you're a mermaid and you marry a god, then the god yeah. isn't immortal anymore. Yeah, they just become an elemental, and they're not. They're not. Uh, like, it's weird. I don't. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, it's not insane in that. Like, if he was a, a hold on, I looked up how to say his name and then I forgot it again. If Paracelsus. 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 
So, yeah, if he was like a fantasy writer, I'm like, right, fair dues. You've basically done what lots of fantasy writers do. You've taken things from all over mythology. You've picked some of your favourite bits and then you've made up your own like little mythology adding on to it. It's just weird mm. that he was presenting that as fact because it's like, but you've just oh, picked yeah, four wasn't... random mythological creatures. Calling them elementals is cool. Like, I think that's a mm. good umbrella term for all the creatures that we're going to talk about because I get that obviously... The idea of elementals goes way back in history. They just weren't called elementals. Like we talked about this last week when we were talking about doing the the topic that like um, mm-hmm. athletes and jinns are like fire elementals. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that. Uh-huh. But like it doesn't matter what culture you come from. They've got beings that are like made of fire that can take human form. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense that they would be, that you can just kind of group them under the, the umbrella of elementals like that's the kind of mythical creature that is oh, like you can take like vampire folklore from all over the world and be like right yeah. there's variations but they're vampires but i find it odd that he's like yeah and it's true but by it's true i mean only salamanders that can catch fire and take human form are real and he also said that they would die by their opposite so if so water can be killed by fire blah blah well, i mean i suppose that makes sense he says that gnomes who are earth elementals can their magic power is they're guardians of earthly things mostly gardens and homesteads but they can also move through this is his words they can move through the earth like a fish swims through water which i suppose if you're an an earth elemental then that makes sense but they wouldn't survive and like they if if they got water on them they'd die that's that's what he said anyway which, as you say, does make sense because mm. water extinguishes fire. But <laughs> well, actually, I've just seen here it wasn't him that. Well, he came up with the idea, but then there was a society called the Rosicrucians. They're the ones that claim to be able to see elemental spirits, and they said that to be part of their club, you had to be. It was previously necessary for their eyes to be purged with the panacea or universal medicine or what the fuck is that Uh, it's a legendary alchemical substance with miraculous curative powers but they don't actually tell you what's in it i mean it could be absolutely anything Uh, as well as glass globes that they would prepare with one of the four elements and for one month they would expose those globes to beams of sunlight this is crazy. With with the steps, the initiated, the initiated would see the innumerable beings immediately. So that's a way of seeing these invisible elementals. They had to go through this ritual. And they were said to be longer lived than man, but ceased to exist upon death. So hence they don't have souls. So if they die, that's them gone forever. But I mean, I mean, that's what I think that happens to humans anyway, in my personal opinion. But if the element Yeah, again, that's weird yeah. to be like, I've made this up, but I found out that this happens. But it's like, but you could apply that to humans just as easily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but of course, they think they're better, you know, as human beings, they have souls and they're, therefore they're superior. So they said that if the elemental were to wed a mortal, they would become immortal. The, the exception seemed to work in reverse when it came to immortals, though. So if an elemental were to wed an immortal being, assuming there's immortal beings out there, but aren't elementals immortal? See, this is what, oh, right. So it's like an immortal marrying an immortal. Maybe it cancels each other out. So if they married a no, vampire, because the elementals are not what? meant, they have long lifespans, but they're not oh, immortal. Oh, but they can die. 
Right, yeah. so they're not truly immortal in that sense. Okay, so the immortal would gain the mortality of the elemental, so it could die then. One of the conditions of joining the Rosicrucians was, interestingly enough, a vow of chastity in the hopes of marrying an elemental. I feel like that's what maybe uh, incels could take that up. You know, they could say, oh, like, I'm not banging women. Women don't bang me. I'm, it's not that I'm scared of women or anything. It's just that I'm holding out to marry an el- elemental. That's why I'm chased. It's because I want to pump a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> According to uh, J.R. Tolkien, he described gnomes as very tall, dark hair, dark eyed, beautiful, elven like creatures that were a bit grumpier than elves, a bit more broody. They're sort of like the, the, the evil elves, if you will, of the Tolkien universe. Like Do you think that. it is like a post Paracelsus mm-hmm. thing that? people just make the creatures like smaller and funnier because it's the same with the <laughs> if you look at what the selfids were based on which after we've finished talking about, about like the basics of elementals i'll get back yeah. to because i looked at the creatures that they were based on but you kind of get like the creatures they were based on and then selfids and then like basically paracelsus i can't say his name unless i'm looking at it paracelsus dies and then it's shortly after that people are like they're fairies they're tiny yeah. women, and it's like, why are they suddenly tiny? Like, yeah, because gnomes. But same with gnomes, like, why are they, why, to, why have we made them tiny all of a sudden? Yeah, it's open to interpretation. Once he invented them, then people come up with their own fan fiction versions, don't they? And they make up their own stories and own poems, and they evolve them into whatever they want them to be. So, yeah, I, I see what you mean by that. It's like you're the original author, but then people take your your canon and then turn it into their own. But I think you end up with shit like Twilight, which was a fan fiction of. Oh, no, 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 sorry. That was a it was Fifty Shades of Grey, because that was a fan fiction of. Yeah, it was like a fan Twilight. fiction. Of yeah, Fifty yeah, Shades yeah, yeah, of Grey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the other way about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. It's both shit. So, <laughs> I don't know where she was getting the Twilight from, whether that was fan fiction of something. But anyway, it's the same, same idea. Because the elements of earth, water, air and fire were classed as the fundamental building blocks of nature in the classical world. Because you get like your the humours, I think that comes where early medicine came from. Like they, they split it into various factions and of an element of that, I guess, before they had the actual, you know, chemical elements and the periodic table. <laughs> How else were they going to explain things i suppose that's kind of the basis of that though like if they hadn't made up the elements they wouldn't have found the actual elements yeah i mean it doesn't really work in the same way for um paracelsus paracelsus yeah he's i said that there that like we made up that there's (laughs) those specific supernatural (laughs) beings and actually there's loads more elementals but i mean they might be real not the ones he made up, but the things that he based it on might be real. He said that, that this is um, Paracelsus' description of the various elementals. So he said that undines, I don't know, what, what the fuck is an undine? A mermaid. Uh, is it? Right, okay. 
Oh yeah, a nymph, Adina, is water. Yeah. So he said they're similar in size to humans, while sylphs are rougher, coarser, longer, and stronger. Gnomes are short, while salamanders are long, narrow, and lean. Salamanders sound quite sexy. I quite <laughs> like the sound of them. The elementals are said to be able to move through their own elements as human beings move through air. So as I said, gnomes can move through rocks, walls, and soil. Sylphs are the closest to humans in this conception because they move through air like we do, while in fire they burn, in water they drown, and in earth they get stuck. Oh, so they're basically like us then, I suppose. Yeah. Parse- Parcel- <laughs> Parcelsus states that each one stays healthy in its particular chaos, as he terms it, but dies in the others. And they were composed of three, or human beings, he said, were composed of three parts. An elemental body, a sidereal spirit, whatever the fuck that means, and an immortal divine soul. Elementals lack the last part, the immortal soul, but again, like we said, by marriage with a human being, the elemental and its offspring could gain a soul, which makes us special, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, so now that we've um, explained where the elementals came from, we're going to break it down to we're just going to talk about two of them. Yours is selves. Yeah, right? well, the the air air elementals as a whole. Yeah, sylphs or uh, sylvestris, parentheses wild man, as parcel um, parcel said, <laughs> calls them. That's her Latin name, sylvestris, and the element in which it lives is air. And then I'm I'm the correct name translated for gnomes is pygmy. Yeah, I saw that, which is yeah. <laughs> I wonder. You know, there was a there's a story called Pygmalion, and that's a Greek story about a man who's trying to get a stat who falls in love with a statue and brings it to life, and then trains it to be like his wife or whatever. Or am I getting that wrong? And then that was the basis of My Fair Lady, where You're right. he takes a copy of and turns it because I'm like the racist well, short form people or must pig, have come pig. after because yeah. they must have gone like Pygmalion and then they're made yeah. out of rocks so call them yes. Pygmies and then that makes sense they're tiny yeah. dark creatures so then when people went to other parts of the world they were like there's Pygmies there and they just meant although again the shortness thing seems to be added in later but... also I also realized that the dwarves and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves are not dwarves. They're actually gnomes and they're elementals based on the oh. description of gnomes. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, so they are. Because a lot of the stories about gnomes is that they they protect mines. So they hang about mines. So did the dwarves. Uh, they're all short. They all have long beards. They wear hats. Uh, they, and they basically like jewellery and they don't like change. So when she comes in and starts saying, oh, I'm fucking going to clean this shit up and make you brush your teeth and all that, they, they were horrified because they don't like change. They don't like someone changing their, their routine or nothing. And they had a mine. And, and, and I always thought, why the fuck are they like mining diamonds and they live in a shack in the middle of the woods? You'd think they'd be fucking billionaires, but they don't care about that because they're fucking, no, they're elementals. They don't need that. 
they just like Why would they? The door. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they didn't need pickaxes then, because technically they could just walk through the dark. But they're they're elemental gnomes, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There you go. What selves have you got from pop culture or tales about them? Because I really don't know anything about air elementals, apart from uh, that they're mostly like us. So Paracelsus came up with the idea of the sylphs or sylphids, which he based on, as you said already, the sylvestries. But the sylvestries are based on... I just think of Sylvester and Tweety Pie every time you say yeah. that. I don't know. I keep, every time I say sylvestries, I think of Sylvester McCoy. Which oh, yeah, I thought you were It's sylphid-like. But the sylvestries, not Sylvester McCoy, were based on, in yeah. part, the, like, sky nymph idea of like ancient Rome and Greece mm. and then in like Germanic countries you had what would translate as the cloud women were they Valkyries? No that's what I assumed but uh, oh. I mean kind of they're buff but they're buff but not exactly like Valkyries so the Germanic ones are the beetle women of the sky I was not expecting you to say that it's really the beetle bit that makes them different because other than that, women. they kind of are very Valkyrie-like, so they're all female. Hmm. Uh, they yeah, live just above the clouds. Uh-huh. And then they're made out of, and this is the same for the sky nymphs, obviously, and the cloud women or beetle women or whatever, <laughs> the, the cloud beetle women. So they're made out of air and clouds and they have the ability to control air and clouds. They are larger than your average human women about six foot five and they're basically built like strong so again yeah, you. you're right that that's quite me, valkyrie like that, that gives me the horn <laughs> yeah after like uh, all all three versions of uh eight elementals i looked at will give you the horn i took pictures yeah. of them all to send you <laughs> yeah yeah my mind palace for later wow. so although their bodies are uh-huh. humanoid are all, are all clearly humanoid and like feminine presenting they flow like air as well right i'm going to send you a picture of mm. the yeah cloud beetle women as if it's a real picture of one an illustration i guess it's not an illustration yeah i'm going to send you a photo <laughs> i took of one yeah. oh okay i know like, the listeners can't see it but wow what a good rack. shoulders, good boobs. Nice, nice tits, yeah. Oh, a nice, like, wispy. Yeah, totally, yeah, that, that definitely gives me the horn. <laughs> <laughs> I will have some of that selfiness. I wonder how sexy the salamanders are then. I yeah, because you wouldn't really imagine mm, a yeah. beetle, Goodness, she's a cloud hot. beetle to be sexy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really sound sexy, a, a beetle woman. I just imagine, like, the beetles as the band, but as women but no or, or I like, imagined before I looked at the image <laughs> when I was looking into it I just imagined like a big massive beetle maybe with boobs a big beetle well you know I'm thinking of like these fantasy games where you've got like the over the top armour so like beetles have armour don't they they've got exoskeletons yeah. so I thought that maybe they would look like that with the iridescent exoskeleton armour with like the breasticles <laughs> Fair, I wonder if that's what it is because like the iridescence like sets them out a bit from the sky in the background and I'm like maybe that's why they were called beetle women because they're possibly iridescent looking yeah I and then as I say even though you've just looked at the picture which the 
listeners can't see, but not very fairy-like at all. But it seemed to be like post Paracelsus putting these stories together and coming up with this idea of the Silphid. That's where the idea of fairies came from. And obviously he was writing in the early 16th century. And it was post that that there was like fairy madness for about 200 years. So, was there? Because yeah, of that? I don't. Well, I was going to say no, but only because I have no evidence of that. But oh, kind yeah, of, I mean, yeah, it seems to be the case. If you think of Shakespeare, maybe he got that from for the inspiration for Midsummer's Night. Maybe because there was lots of fairy stories about like fairy queens and things. And was again, actually, in Shakespeare, the fairies are like statuesque. They're not. They live in the woods tiny like yeah they live in the woods but they're not little microscopic mini creatures no. but for some reason they become that over time yeah i don't understand that why are they getting smaller like the gnomes are the small ones not the the fairies i suppose and then tolkien comes and basically brings the elves back up in height but he does the same with the gnomes as well and then goblins are is there goblins no they're orcs where the fuck does an orc come from? That that could be a different podcast altogether. Okay, so what yeah, do these cells do? Uh, they can do lots of cool things. So cells are able to see the future. So if you're able to make contact with one, they can tell you what's going to happen basically entire for the entirety of the rest of your life. Which I feel like whenever I do any like Germanic folklore, I think every Germanic folk folklore fork? being that <laughs> fork any Germanic forks that I've eaten. Uh, any Germanic folklore? Oh, why can't I say that together? Germanic folklore. Folklore. Beings yeah. that I've talked about in this all seem to have like um, the ability mm-hmm. to see into the future. Oh, interesting. And what do they do? Do you do anything uh, bad? Or very intelligent. Movie? They can understand the connection between all the elements, between the well, not the planets, the cosmos, the universe, whatever you want to call it. But if we're putting it in modern terms, like how the planets correlate to each other, how the stars correlate to the Earth. Um, so, yeah, they're smart. Most of them, which I also found really interesting, so they're all female. Most of them have offspring with each other. How? Don't know. Okay, I don't know why I'm confused, but they are elemental beings. So I just assumed that they were always there and they didn't reproduce. But then gnomes have little females well i wonder if it's from them so they're like not the sky nymphs but the cloud beetle women like they did have prolonged mortal lifespans so i'm wondering if that's where paracelsus got the idea from that uh, the same had prolonged mortal lifespans i don't know if paracelsus came up with this but um, in in scandinavian folklore uh, a gnome was so you lived on a farm and I'm not sure which Scandinavian country it is. I can I can go into it in more detail later. But you own a farm, a homestead, and the original person. So you're the first person to own the farm, right, Mark? You bought a house. Okay. You bought a farm. You you till the land. You look after it. You love your house, your home. You grow old and you die, right? Because you're the first person to own that house, you then turn into a gnome, and then you're the one that guards it and you know, it's your house, basically. You're, it was the first house you had, so you turn into a gnome, and you're now that house's guardian. So anyone else who moves into the house, you're sort of, they have to make you happy. And don't That's interesting, and it's things like this that, as you know, always make me believe in just literally anything. Yeah. But I'm going to go, in a minute, once I'm finished chatting about these uh, sky lassies, I'm going to go further back in time 
and the much <laughs> older story that I've got is right. really similar to what you're saying, but it's oh, okay. from like Persia. All right, interesting. So that's way back in before Paracels, uh, Paracelsus. Oh yeah, like way, way, way back. Right. So I mean, obviously he must have been inspired by something, or unless it's a coincidence. But yeah, it makes me think there's something to this then. Yeah. Okay. okay so what's the Persian? So most of the time with the cloud women, when they have a baby, it's just a cloud baby until it grows into its own cloud woman. But occasionally they'll give birth to tornadoes and hurricanes. Oh. Uh, these are their occasional monstrous offspring. They're normally the black uh, sheep of the family. There's always one. Well, they're normally labeled with like male pronouns rather than oh. female. Male talks. And it's very rare that the that a cloud woman gives birth to a male offspring, but when she does, it is a monstrous giant from birth. Oh, Men. Toxic yep. masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about any such gender man. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can go like way, way, like further back in history. I mean, to be fair, the cloud women and the sky nymphs do go quite far back in European history, but you can go back much farther than that to like the ancient Arabic world. So that and weird? you've got like those sort of early jinn, okay. yeah. Hmm. So they've got a type of jinn that's called a f- uh, flyer jinn. Which I don't think is deliberately because it sounds like it's flying and it's the air one, but it's called a flyer gin. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, the thing I was reading said that quite a lot of people think that gin is the ancient Arabic word for demon, and this is incorrect. It's a common misconception. It's because in part of some like post Quranic thinking about it, and also because of the links and the spelling d d j i n n. And the spelling J I N N in some other cultures, which can be used to represent several demons, right. but they're not meant to be evil at all. Yeah, I never thought of Jin as evil, but there have been like videos I've seen where they claim that oh, is it, that they're possessed by the Jin, or they're like, in it's a bit like the Catholics having to exorcise the Jin out of them because they're demon, like it's demonic possession in the Arabic world or something. Or there's, yeah, a but, gin, there's a gin haunt in this place and it's evil and stuff, but I don't see it that way. No, but it's not even benevolent spirits. meant to be seen that way. Yeah. Um. So according, right, so basically this matches so much up with what you were talking about, which okay. is really interesting because, again, we're going to like ancient, well, like pre-Persian yeah, I mean, ancient pre- Arabic history here. So yeah. according to the very earliest mythology of the flyer gin and any gin really, the flyer gin were one of the tribes of the world's earliest, sorry, one of the earliest tribes of the world's people. They were one of the first groups of people to form a settlement and live together. And as the first uh, settlers from the tribe died off, they didn't actually die naturally. They reached old age and then one evening all of them vanished. From that point on, they would only appear again by night in order to be guardians of their offspring that were now in the settlement and they became the flyer gin. They all changed from having their human appearance to having clear blue eyes, clear blue skin, clear blue hair and so on. Uh, They were able to mimic air but were capable of assuming human form for a short time if they needed to or animal form if they needed to in order to help 
protect or guide those in the settlement that they helped form. That's awesome. Like, so they're basically they're guardian angels. They sound like guardian angels. So, but it's interesting because again, with you saying the gnome thing and like the first people to build farm, like to build a farm on that land. But this is the same thing. Like the first people Mm -hmm. to not be nomadic in that area, all just one evening turned into these. Uh, In human and animal form, they possess all of the needs of living beings. So even though when they're in their flyer gin form, they're more sort of like godlike, but in their if they take the form of an animal or a human, they want to eat, they want to drink, they want to fuck. And they can <laughs> be killed when they're in human or animal form, but so not would, when they're in Why would they do that then? To help Rest their that? descendants. Or just to have a party? Or just have um, a party, I suppose. Maybe you'd get. But then, if they're killed in their human form, did he just turn back into flying gen, or are they actually just dead forever, and that's it? No, if they're killed in their human form, then that's them dead. Oh, that's a shame. That's a big risk for a, a bit of a drink and a slap and tickle. But fair enough. Why not? So, in their natural <laughs> form, their body moves like air, but it's mm. cold and sharp to the touch, like metal. Oh. And I'm going to send you a picture. I didn't take a picture of the guy one because who cares about him? <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture of the female one because, again, she's fit. I want to see this fit, bitch. Oh, wow. Yeah. She doesn't have as big a knockers as the other one, but I like her style. I like her skin. And her yeah, outfit, skin's cool. Her outfit's cool. I like that she's beckoning you to come up into the air with her. Actually, yeah, yeah, I would definitely, definitely fly up in the air with her. Nice. So belief in her and her mm-hmm. original like tribe predates any Islamic belief. Uh, they are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnahs, but as I said, it's much, much older than that. They are mentioned in ancient Semitic mythology, uh, ancient Aramean texts, ancient Berber mythology which I've never even heard of, which predates <laughs> Aramean mythology. And wow. uh, they're mentioned throughout Persian folk folklore. Why can't I say that tonight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been possessed by one of the jinn. I have. No, I think that, see, this is where the theory is, that these elementals have always be, have been there. Well, not that story, obviously, because they were human once. But there's the other theory that the elementals have never been human and they've just always been around since the creation of the Earth and the universe. They've just always been and always will. It's like, like some people, some so-called mediums or whatever, they when they go to like haunted castles and things, they say, oh, this isn't a ghost that's haunting this place. It's an elemental. So they're a whole different ballgame. You can't just get rid of them because they, they're... Again, one of them that they say that the reason why they're haunting the place or causing trouble sounds more like gnomes to me, but that they don't like change. They don't like what you're doing to the place or they're offended in some way because they protect the land, like land elements. Yeah, like they're trying to keep it as yeah. it was. Or they're pissed off with the environment because they've always been around and they don't like what you're doing, humans are doing to the environment. That annoys them. So they're more like guardian fair. spirits of the earth and the, yeah, and they've always been around. So they, they're not quite, they don't understand human mentality, but they're, they're quite powerful as well. They've got powers that unlike ghosts, they can do more things. 
one of the things that I read about them that I thought was quite interesting is mm. that uh, it's so it said the flyer gin, much like the Ifrits, who also apparently came from like the first members of a, a settlement. It said it's important to do a bit. So it said when um, post Quranic people describe them as evil, it's not that this is inaccurate for all of them. It's an inaccurate as a statement about all of them because yeah. they represent the entirety of the tribe that were changed into the air elementals that night. So mm-hmm. for that reason, they can be male or female, uh, just as they can be good, they can be evil, or they can be completely indifferent to you. Their only interest yeah. is protecting where they are. Exactly. How they react to interactions is going to vary from flyergen to flyergen. Yeah, exactly, because they, they were human once, and... Maybe the reason why some of them decide to risk um, becoming human and risking death is maybe they're just sick yet and they just want to die. I mean, or, mm, maybe. I wouldn't, but wouldn't be me. I also feel like whatever happened to them, it would be if someone was like, do you want to, I don't know who we've gone, but if they were like, do you want to live forever, but your body has to be made out of some sort of like well, liquid metal light as air and be like, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would definitely be up for that. I mean, who wouldn't want to fly about? There are though in this um, bear bear, hey, bear bear culture which I'm goes just, way back. Sorry, I just thought of something. I always go back to movies and stuff because my head's just full of pop culture. But you know how the film Splash with Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. She's an elemental because she's a mermaid and technically he gets with her and he goes with her into the sea and prob- becomes a merman, I'm assuming, because he can suddenly breathe underwater with her if as long as he's with her. So he's married an elemental in that respect and become like her. But if he was a god, she would have to know they would both have become human. I'm still confused by that. No, he's human. So if you marry an elemental, you become immortal like her. And you can live in their environment. That's the whole point. So you'd want to marry an elemental. So if you married one of those gen- flying gin people, like you said, you would become like them and you'd be immortal. It's not that they would be become human and then like become like I don't know if that's a point if you marry them you both become immortal humans or they gain a soul but you're both immortal that's really fucking confusing now I'm like arguing with myself hello hello <laughs> yeah Mark. <laughs> no I'm confused too okay um uh, yeah I'm also I was confused but I was I realise that I keep saying I don't know who the bear bear are and I should have looked that up. Yeah. It turns out I'm quite ignorant because there are people of bear bear descent. We there are people of bear. known bear bear descent that still live in North Africa just now. I just found out. But, but it is one of the most ancient cultures in North Africa. But what you were saying as well about elementals might have existed since the beginning of time. So the bear bear who obviously believe in the or traditionally believed in the flyer gene did think that there were air elementals that were older than the flyer gin, so before they ever changed from being human, that there were air elementals that had exist forever. So there's the parry, who are fair-skinned, parrot-winged, again, all female. I like that. That sounds hot. Uh, I've got a picture of her for you as well. Yes! <laughs> so they're fair-skinned, parrot-winged, all female, protective spirits of the air. They protected the ancient lands of North Africa from 
Jewevas, which are like giant demonic creatures. So if you were lost in somewhere in North Africa and the Jewevas were trying to like oh. track you down or attack you, uh-huh. a group of parry would show up to protect you. And there's one of them. I'm just imagining it in my head right now and it sounds like some sort of like He-Man Masters of the Universe shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow. I feel like yeah the three of them together would make a very hot like superhero team even though they basically have the same powers but they look quite distinctly different. She's definitely my type. (laughs) The dark hair, dark eyes. If she had big tits then that would be even better but um yeah, I'm not going to say flat chest, doesn't she? I feel they've got very flat chest. Flat chest yeah, I know, it's a bit disappointing. I mean, I think I'll be, if I could combine the beetle woman with the parrot woman, then that would be perfect. Fantastic. I feel like I'm mostly into the liquid metal woman, but I suppose right, she's yeah. quite like, she looks quite butch. Yeah, so I, I guess that would be better for yourself then. And I like the idea that she's made out of liquid metal. I don't know why I think that's hot. Like but... the T- so do you fancy the T2000 from <laughs> Terminator 2? <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Robert Patrick as a, as a babe. There's also the Pallies, which sounds very similar to the Parries, yeah. which I quite enjoyed. So the Parries are... No, sorry. The Pallies are also a really, really, really ancient North African belief in a elemental being. If you translate Pallies from the ancient Berber language into English, it's a uh, feet lickers. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not into that. No, thanks. And they're called this because they are air elementals, but they take the form of vampiric creatures such as vampire bats and mosquitoes. And the reason that they do this is because they are blood drinkers, but they like to drink blood from your feet. So you You'll Aww. quite often be alerted to their presence because while you're lying asleep in your like um your tent hammock. at night, yeah, on your hammock, you can feel them licking your feet as they get ready to drink your blood and you Aww. can kick them away. I mean, I suppose that would be all right if you're into that sort of fetish, foot fetish thing. You you like getting your toes sucked, but no, I think I can't think of anything worse. Have you ever had your toes sucked, Mark? No, I think if somebody would asked you let me, someone? No, I was no. going to say, I think toes are the most vile part of the human yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was getting my nails done today and this kind of bigger woman sat next to me. I don't know why I mention her size, if that's going to make any difference. But <laughs> she she sat down and is a young Asian guy. I think they're all from Malaysia or Thailand or something. I like when they talk to each other in their, their own language. I think it sounds really cute. They sound like Ewoks or something. Um, they could be talking shit about me for all I know, but I just enjoy listening to the language. <laughs> and uh, she goes, "Oh, I want my toes done," and I just started cringing, like, "No, my, I wouldn't, I would not like to have to paint someone's toes." And I kept thinking, no. "I hope she's washed her feet." Absolutely. The damn. idea of touching someone, yeah, exactly. But, you know, if they're foot foot lickers, I quite, I like the idea of them. I realise I didn't uh, picture to send you of them because they're not thought, but I will mm. send you one well, just now. Everyone anyway, yeah. I mean, you know what gnomes look like, so there's no point me sending you a picture of them. And I don't have any pictures of the hot gnomes from um, Tolkien. Let me see. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're a furry, you might like that sort of thing. I think maybe it's quite yeah. funny that it's a couple in bed. 
and see maybe that's why we're the maybe that's where you know how people don't like putting their feet outside of the bed yeah because they, they've got a creepy feeling maybe that's where that comes from because the foot liquor will come and get you <laughs> you know they think they're like going under the bed but she's got her foot there, outside the covers but takes the form of as you say a furry but it's actually oh my god look at its tail did you that's see that's what that? i was about to say its tail is, is the vampiric bit so what? basically like that top <laughs> bit isn't its actual head and no. it's licking their feet to see if there's good blood flow to it and then if it establishes there is its actual head which is its tail will start <laughs> so drinking weird. their blood <laughs> so cute it's definitely not mosquito like figure or a bat it's a massive cheetah man with claws and he looks like a giant cat and yeah his tail is like you got the vampiric sort of teeth it looks like like a sort of snake thing but it's not a snake it's how do I describe that anyway I promise I'll post it on our Facebook page I know I say that and then I don't but I will do it this time I promise because these pictures are just too good and I feel like yeah the listeners really do need to see them and enjoy them as much as we do because it's unfair they are wonderful wonderful pictures I don't know where you found that but that's probably one of my favorite pictures you've said and it's and you said it's not sexy but it's actually really amusing and I really enjoy it it it's a really cool picture it's Taylor definitely the best bit I think that would make a really good tattoo actually (laughs) the whole thing yeah the entire (laughs) thing the couple yeah I'd I'd be up for getting that tattooed on my leg or something (laughs) my calf (laughs) <laughs> imagine you'd be like saying to the tattoo artist I want this done and they're like what the fuck does that mean and I'm like well how do you not know about the foot lickers <laughs> how can you not know that <laughs> well that's I imagine you going like oh, it's just a tattoo of a pally like you know a pally they're made out of air but they appear in the form of a leopard man but that's not their real face <laughs> See, look at its tail oh, there's a surprise <laughs> I didn't notice it at first <laughs> they're really interesting I, I like it is there any more or is that all of it uh, no that's my that, that's as far back as I could go and record really? the history with um, the, what eventually was named the Selfids by that guy in the 16th century well I'm really surprised that I thought earth um, I thought earth elementals would be just like spirits like wood nymphs or something I was a bit disappointed to see that there were fucking gnomes, but anyway. <laughs> fucking gnomes. <laughs> fucking gnomes, because I think a gnome, when you think of a gnome, you think of garden gnomes. And I suppose yes. it makes sense because they are earth elementals and they do guard the air. So that's why the English the English invented them in the 1930s, garden gnomes, to be put obviously in your garden because that's what they do. They guard, they guard your gnome. Like they guard your gnome. <laughs> the gnome guards your garden. Garden gnomes are invented to guard normal gnomes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. I'm known. I've got gnome on the brain here. So they're caught. They're apparently. I would. I don't know. I think they are. I don't think they're mythological. I believe in gnomes. So I'm the scully in this situation. It, they did. They were more prevalent in Renaissance magic and alchemy. And again, it's Paracelsus that invented the gnome in the 16th century. And again, the authors adopted them. Modern fantasy literature adopted them and changed them to whatever they want, uh, their own interpretation. But I find it's interesting. Like, it, it, OK, he's from Germany, but then Scandinavian countries have their own 
gnome culture, but I don't know if they were aware of Paracelsus at all. And I think it would be the same as like, what I was saying, I'm sure their culture of gnomes must go back way way before the 16th century. Yeah, they must do. And there was that YouTube video of a supposed gnome walking about (laughs) in a road. It is kind of weird though. I mean, I don't know. It might be real. So the I mean, the word the room. Well, yeah, but they are kind of creepy. And then I think about the underpants gnomes from South Park. <laughs> <where they're> just, <laughs> so yeah, everyone's had their own interpretation of them. The word comes from Renaissance Latin gnomus, which first appears in a book on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, salamanders, and the other spirits by Paracelsus. And that was published posthumously in Nyssa in 1566 and again in the Johannes Hauser edition of 1589 to 1591 from an autograph by Paracelsus. An autograph? What? Okay, the term is it could be an original invention of Paracelsus, possibly deriving the term from the Latin genomos, itself representing a Greek approximately Genomos, which literally in Greek means earth dweller. In this case, the omission of the E is referred to as a blunder by the Oxford English Dictionary. Paracelsus uses nomai as a synonym of pygmy, the Greek word, and classifies them as earth elementals. He describes them as two spans high. What the hell is a span? I don't know. Let's find out. Did he mean two two tens of spam high? Not spam, span. A span oh. is the distance measured by a human hand from the tip of the thumb to the tip of the little finger. In ancient times, span was considered to be half a cubit. So, okay, there's a picture here. So if you, so if you, you look at the tip of your thumb and then, all oh right, I see. So you see how how much that is. If you look at it diagonally. Yes. You put your thumb out. Right. Okay. I get it. So, it is half high. a cubit, though, surely you should just have said they're a cubit high. Well, I don't even know what a cubit is. I'm that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so they're quite small, basically. A bit, I'd say they're a bit an- ankle biters, like a bit ankle height. Two spans high. Would you okay. say they were uh, toe lickers? Uh, they possibly, but I think that that would be a bit big for them. That would be, imagine a, a gnome trying to suck on a toe. That would be a bit much for it. I don't think it would even fit in its mouth. A big toe. Maybe a little toe. <laughs> I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, to- I don't think gnomes would, would like licking any feet. Far from it. Too that classy. would them. Yeah. So the, he describes them as two spans high. So I'd say a bit calf height on an average human. Very reluctant to interact with humans. They don't really want... See, they don't want to interact with humans, so why would they want to suck their toes? And they're able to move through solid earth as easily as humans move through the air or water. They live in the earth. They have precedence in numerous ancient and medieval mythologies. They often guard mines and and they guard precious underground treasures, notably in the Germanic dwarves and the Greek uh, Chalbae, Oh, Chalibes, 
telchines or dactyls. The gnomes of Swiss folklore follow this template as they are said to have caused the landslide that destroyed the Swiss village of Plurs in 1618. Now, why did they do this? Because the villagers had become wealthy from a local gold mine that the gnomes created for them. So they thought, oh, we'll be nice and we'll pour some liquid gold down into a vein for the benefit of the humans. But the humans, being humans, greedy shits, were corrupted by the newfound prosperity, which pissed off the gnomes. So they thought, fuckies, I'm going to cause a landslide that will destroy you all. You can't take your gold with you and we'll take our gold back. Thank you very much. So they can't be big bits Quite right. Stevie Nicks is all about. (laughs) (laughs) It's considered a white witch, I suppose. In Romanticism and Modern Fairy Tales, the English word is attested from the early 18th century. Gnomes are used in Alexander Pope's The Rape of Locke. That sounds fun. The creatures from this mock epic are small celestial creatures, which were prudish women in their past lives, and now spend all of eternity looking out for prudish women in parallel to the guardian angels of Catholic belief. So again, that's another thing about the scan. It's a, another twist on the Scandinavian thing about they were once human, but then when they died, they became an elemental to protect yeah. something. In this case, prudish women. <laughs> Not incels. Other uses of the term gnome remain obscure until the 19th century when it's taken up by the authors of romanticist collections of fairy tales and becomes mostly synonymous with the older word goblin. Uh, so why that made me laugh. I don't know. Because we were thinking of um, Troll 2 where they're goblins and not yes. they were. <laughs> the, Villiers, the Villiers who wrote this um, poem he used the term nomad to refer to female gnomes, often nomad in English translations. The modern fiction instead uses the word gnomes to refer to female gnomes. In 19th century fiction, the cophonic gnome became sort of an antithesis to the more airy or luminous fairy. Nathaniel Hawthorne in Twice Told Tales contrasts the two in small enough to be king of the fairies and ugly enough to be king of the gnomes. That's mean. (laughs) Similarly, gnomes are contested to are contrasted to elves, as in William Cullen Bryant's Little People of the Snow in 1877, which has let us have a tale of elves that ride by night with jingling reins or gnomes of the mine. Now, gnomes are also associated a lot with Christmas for some reason. <laughs> they apparently uh, help out, like they actually give gifts, gifts to kids instead of Santa Claus. No. Um. Yeah, so in other 19th century fairy tales, the term gnome became largely synonymous with other terms for little people by the 20th century, such as goblin, brownie, leprechaun, or other instances of the household spirit type, losing its strict association with the air for the underground world. But that's bullshit, because gnomes are essentially... See, this is where I got confused, because I always thought gnomes were just like brownies or little... I didn't realise that they were actually elementals, like in their origin. No, neither did I. Yeah. So again, the gnome... it's interesting that like mm-hmm. all those creatures you're talking about is the the same like with the sylphids. Yeah. It's like oh, they're these tall creatures. They can only live above the clouds because they're part cloud. And then for some reason they're like no, actually they're fairies and they live in your garden. But it seems to be the same with the gnomes where they're like yeah, they're these 
creatures that are able to move through like rock faces and then it's like they're funny little men with beards that live in your garden like why why does everything suddenly live in the garden i mean they don't even necessarily have to be little men like in the frank oz uh, no frank baum's oz books right do you remember did the horrible sequel which um really has which is one of the shit in films it. of all time do you think so Rem- do you I remember nomis love return to oz right so you know the bit where there's the thing called the gnomes. Yeah. Sounds like gnomes. And it's a big fucking rock thing. And yeah. it tries to eat the chicken, which really disturbed me. But didn't the chicken lay eggs or something and it fucked the rock up? Yes. Sure that's what happens. Because it was frightened so of eggs. It was I don't know, but it was it, 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 it that part you know how people say the wheelies in that film are scary? I was really disturbed by the rock fit the gnomes thing as a kid watching that movie. I, I really did not like it. I think it was the fact that it was it was swallowing the chicken. I think some of what, did they actually swallow it? It was disturbing. I really I didn't think like it. Did hold it up and open its mouth and then she laid eggs yeah. on it and then it like freaks out because it's scared of eggs yeah. or some sort of egg based issue. Well, the, the nomas, they're, yeah, they're offshoots from their king, which is that big rock thing that was trying to eat the the poor chicken and. They're the chief adversaries of the Oz people. They're ugly, hot-tempered, immortal, round-bodied creatures with spindly limbs, long beards and wild hair, militantly collecting and protecting jewels and precious metals underground. Um, so he also featured gnomes in his book, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. There's the Christmas thing. They watch over the rocks. Their king is part of the Council of Immortals. And they created the sleigh bells for Santa Claus's reindeer. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, with regards to Tolkien, his gnomes are tall, beautiful, dark-haired, light-skinned, immortal and wise. They're also proud, violent and unduly admire their own creations, particularly, again, their gemstones. So gemstones, this is where the where I was thinking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, because they also mine gemstones. So the gnomes love their their jewellery basically and their, their shiny things I feel like I'm a bit of a gnome because I love shiny <laughs> things and I'm a Taurus so well, you're a Taurus as well so uh-huh. I like air I'm very earthbound so I've, I would probably relate more to the gnomes than I would with the air or fire elements or the water elements although I do like the water so maybe there's a little bit of a mermaid in me <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, cross between a gnome and a mermaid. Very earthy, but I do like the air ones as well. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a sandstorm. Right. <laughs> There's also a story called the Little Grey Men, and it's not aliens. It was written in 1942, and it's the story of the last gnomes in England, which were little wild men who lived by hunting and fishing. And C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. I do remember the gnomes in that. The gnomes are sometimes called Earthmen. They live in the Underland as a series of caverns. Unlike the traditional, more human-like gnomes, they can have a wide variety of physical features and skin colours where some of them are either standing at one foot or being taller than humans. They are used as slaves by the Lady of the Green Kirtle until her defeat, at which point they return to their true home, the much deeper and hotter underground realm of Bissom. When they say hotter, I don't I don't think of the temperature. I think of it like being like I can tell the know. The Dutch book Gnomes in nineteen seventy six and Secrets of the Gnomes written in nineteen eighty two by Will Hagen. 
They deal with gnomes living together in harmony. Same books are the basis for a made-to-TV animated film and the Spanish animated series The World of David the Gnome. <laughs> I've never heard of that. As well as the spin-off Wisdom of the Gnomes, the word gnome in this case is used in place of the Dutch word kabuter. Oh, J.K. Rowling. I know you don't like her name, but uh, she put gnomes... It's her. Name, like like it's her. <laughs> it's her. Yeah. I don't like this either. Right, in, in terms of the Harry Potter. I don't, I've read the Harry Potter books, but I don't really remember this. But in her world, and this pisses me off, gnomes are pests that inhabit the gardens of witches and wizards, and they're small creatures with heads that look like potatoes on small stubby bodies. And in her <laughs> universe, gnomes are generally considered harmless but mischievous and may bite with sharp teeth. In the books, it stated the Weasleys are lenient to gnomes and tolerate their presence, preferring to throw them out of the garden rather than more extreme measures. Yeah, that defeats the whole point of the gnomes being nice, like guardians of the that she's making them into like little shits, basically. I don't like that. Um, there is a Far Eastern story, and but is you they use the European concept of a gnome, and their version of the gnome is called the Coral Pokuru which is a mythical indigenous race of small people. Gnomes are a persecuted minority banned from learning wizardry and attending magical schools. Oh, hmm. I mean, these are all just different interpretations of the original gnome. There's also the laughing gnome, which was a song by David Bowie that I used to dance to as a kid. My mom used to play it for me because she had the record, um, the vinyl record of it. And that was out in 1967. I do think I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Look it up. It's it's it was like a stupid novelty record that even David Bowie sort of regretted doing, and he provided the voices of the gnome. <laughs> the, <laughs> the song. It's like it goes ha ha ha, he he he. I'm the laughing gnome, and you can't catch me. Oh my god, <laughs> I have heard that, but I didn't know that was David Bowie. David Bowie. My mum also used to play that when I was younger, but I, to be fair, now that you're saying this, that all makes sense because obviously my mum really likes Bowie, but I never put two and two together and realised it was a Bowie song. I, I thought, like, just sometimes my mum puts a random weird fucking song on for no reason. So I'm going to go into the Scandinavian gnomes. Now, you know how you go to Christmas markets and you see a lot of these, I think we call them gonks, because... You just see their nose. We do, but I don't know when we started calling them gonks. I don't know, but yeah, we call them. We'd also have traditionally called them gnomes, but then yeah. They're called gonks. I feel like just all of a sudden, the last couple of years, people have started calling them gonks. And if you see them places, it says like gonks on the sign. Yeah, and I don't like this. I don't know where the word gonk came from. I don't like it. But they're gnomes. They're, They're Christmas gnomes. And you see them at Christmas markets and things. So. Santa Claus may be one of the most important people in Christmas for us in the Western world. I don't give a fuck about Santa, to be fair. But Scandinavian locals believe that it's the gnomes and elves that do the majority of the work. Of course they do. Santa's like gets all the elves to... In fact, he enslaves the elves, does he not? He does enslave the elves. <laughs> in our culture, he does, because he's got like a sweatshop and all the elves have to make all the toys, don't they? And he just sits on his fat arse eating like sweeties and cookies and milk and shit. Okay, so the Norwegian belief 
in Scandinavian Christmas gnomes, they help guard the animals throughout the year. But if you give them a bowl of porridge on Christmas Eve, hopefully they might become your friends. If you don't give the gnome their porridge, they'll get upset and they'll start playing pranks on you and your family. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so you better give them their goddamn porridge. I mean, if nobody gives me porridge, I like to play pranks on them. If it, nobody, yeah. like if I'm stopped from getting breakfast in the morning, I would yeah. cause people injuries. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's going to be chaos unleashed. So Christmas gnomes in Norway visit homes on Christmas Eve and they bring the gifts to the children of the household. Some families set an extra place at the table for the gnome just oh. in case the creature decides to join them. That's really sweet. The influence that gnomes have on a household depends on who you ask. So gnomes in Denmark are remarkably similar to the creatures in Norway, but they're a little bit more mischievous. The Danish don't have as much folklore about gnomes all year round, but they do still see gnomes as important during the Christmas months. The Danish gnomes wear woolen clothing and red bonnets with white clogs. Danish locals leave bowls of rice pudding outside for the gnomes to make him friendlier towards them. What would you prefer? Porridge or rice pudding? Definitely porridge. Yeah, me too, because being a Scot, I prefer porridge. My gran used to feed me rice pudding every time we went to visit, and I fucking hated it. Yeah, it's disgusting. Some people in Denmark believe that you can control your fortunes by befriending a gnome, but the creatures are more likely to end up playing pranks on homeowners. Swedish gnomes are called the Tomte, and they look a lot like the Santa Claus that many of us know. The Tomte usually wear grey clothing, and they're always watching over you to see how well you behave. So, like, Santa's got a list, the Tomte just, you know, stare at you. They're a bit like the elves on the shelves, I suppose. You can only meet the Tomte during the Christmas time. All the other times of the year, they're they're just not visible. And they'll often share rhymes when handing out presents. <laughs> so they spit out rhymes. <laughs> they're rap games on you could have a rap battle with them, maybe. They'll share them with you. Iceland has its own version of the Christmas gnome in the form of the 13 Yuletail lads. Yuletail, Yule, see, I can't say that word. 13 Yuletide lads who come to the town bearing gifts and sweets. I think I'd like that be up your street, Mark. If 13 yeah. Yuletide lads came bearing gifts and cake. <laughs> <laughs> These creatures appear one, once a day on the 13 days before Christmas and they leave one by one too. Oh no, no, they, they, they appear one a day so you'll get one lad per 13 days. So oh. like a, one lad a day throughout the 13 days and then they leave one by one too making the season last a full 26 days. So that's weird. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the maths of that really confused me there. Yeah, okay. The Swedish gnome is an excellent way to celebrate the holiday season in Scandinavian style. Oh, this is telling you how to make them if you want to make them yourselves. So I'm not going to go into that. Okay, so then I've got some more information about gnomes. 
so as an elemental. So they're a small creature of affinity for the earth. In old legends, the little men were miners who lived underground, like Snow White. Today, they have come out of their tunnels to help humans tend to their gardens. Because <laughs> they are basically ornaments, aren't they? They, they? My grandpa used to collect gnomes. Not real ones. <laughs> <laughs> he used to have shitloads of, like, garden gnomes and I would buy him stuff for his garden and um, yeah when he died we, they had I don't know there was a lot of gnomes we had to get rid of I don't have any gnomes in my garden I feel like I should get one in his honour I've seen ones in the form of like kiss or or you could get garden gnomes that aren't your traditional looking gnomes but they're like horror gnomes so you can get like Ooh. a Michael Myers gnome or a Jason gnome I want a Jason gnome I want a so, pinhead gnome a pinhead gnome would be good that probably scared the pets away <laughs> I thought he'd want to do that, but he would tear tear your world apart in your garden. So thanks to the garden gnome industry, uh, you probably have a near idea of what a gnome looks like. But they are small men with short arms and legs, round cheeks and bellies. They have light skin, white beards, large noses and friendly smiles that makes their cheeks, pu- their cheeks puff out. To complete their charming earthy look, gnomes wear bli- bright coloured tunics, green, blue, blah, blah, blah. They like their colours. And they have a dunce cap, which is bright red. Their personality. It's a dunce cap. Well, it's in the shape of a dunce cap. Is that just the shape? Is like is that just yeah, the name? Like and that it doesn't mean they're stupid. Okay. Yeah, they're not stupid. <laughs> no, I didn't think they were. That was why I was upset. <laughs> they like to live in burrows underground. They don't like interacting with humans. Their elusive nature has lasted throughout the ages. Uh, they've got a reputation for being shy, which they're often found peeking out from behind plants. Ancient gnomes lived underground, were associated with mines and wealth. They're thought to be guardians of golden treasure and they great wisdom. So they're not stupid, not only about mining the earth, but also about managing money in general. So if you if you want a good accountant, get a gnome, but they don't want to interact with you. So it's probably hard to get advice from a gnome could make any man rich if you can catch one. Gnomes have surfaced from their mines and they can be found wandering woodland areas or hiding out in old gardens. Their days in the mines, that's because Thatcher shut them all down in the 80s, so where are they going to live? I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) They're like urban foxes now, they hang about gardens. Because they've got nowhere to go, because fucking Thatcher closed all the mines. (laughs) The bitch. Their days in the mines taught them to be hardworking and responsible so they can still take on a guardian role in their forest or garden, protecting their territory and helping out when possible. They have also become more lighthearted since they emerged from their dark mines. Some have developed mischievous streaks and they enjoy popping out of unexpected places or playing silly pranks, like dropping their britches in public. What, do they like flashing people, apparently? Yeah, it's as indecent exposure or a silly prank Mm. or... Yeah, I don't think so. Gnomes have a special connection to the earth. They were once considered earth elementals. Well, they are. They can travel through the earth. And to this day, they're believed to enrich garden soil, making vegetables and flowers flourish. So they'll, they'll turn over for them. Yeah. They are, some gnomes, not all of them, are capable of speech. The gnomes who do speak are known to be clever with jokes and riddles and sick rhymes. They were in the 19th centuries, gnomes began to creep into public awareness, apart from the time where, you know, Parcellus. 
Paracelsus invented them, and but they weren't I mean, really. Again, yeah, they weren't really out in the open much. It was. More, I don't feel like he did invent them. I get that he claimed to have invented these creatures, and people agree with that. But yeah. I think we've established they exist out with him. Yeah, I do think that. Do I think he just nicked other people's ideas and put them in a book and was like, and I've got claimed, these. Claimed, yeah, he claimed that he invented them. Um, yeah, so modern appearances of gnomes and modern fantasy. The, uh, and Oz are underground businessmen and Narnia underground slaves. Tolkien, yeah, we've, we've gone over all that. There's gnome controversy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the controversies are. They've been banned from several gardening competitions since they are considered an elegant and child. That's fucked. cheap. That yeah. sounds like the gnomes themselves have been banned from <laughs> taking part in the gardening competition, yeah. like because they can enchant the earth and make the vegetables grow more quickly. Exactly. They're not allowed to take part anymore. Sorry, this marrow uh, is disqualified because clearly a gnome made that big with its magic powers. So yeah, you're not getting in. <laughs> Uh, I think they're referring to like gnome nappings. Are they referring to the actual like statue of like garden gnomes or real gnomes? I'm not sure here. They're often gnome napped from gardens. Originally, gnome nappings were committed by friends of the family who owned the gnome. The gnome napper would then travel with the gnome, taking pictures of it in various locations before returning it with a photo album with his vacation photos. Oh, okay. So I think they mean like the statue. In recent years, gnome napping has escalated. Strangers have begun abducting gnomes, which has led to charges of breaking and entering and theft. <laughs> Organised gnome liberation groups have even sprung up around the world. Gnomes who are taken by the liberators are never returned to their homes. Instead, they are released into their natural habitat, usually a forest or a park. So there's like gnome protesters liberating gnomes from their gardens and releasing them into the forests. But they lived in mines originally, so they'd probably be like confused and lost. Yeah, like that's not really one to be. It's not very nice. And then finally, I've got um, more information about some gnomes. Um, so a lot of the ancestral gnomes in many folk tales and sculptures in Europe have many names, such as Bargazi and Dwarf. The French term, ah, Bargazi, literally means frozen beard which stemmed from the French belief that the creature originated in a Siberian landscape of ice and snow. Snow gnomes? Ice gnomes? Really, your beard would have defrosted, though, by the time you got to France. Yeah. No, I just remembered, if you take DMT, which is supposedly um, what your brain releases just before you die, right? If you take DMT, you see, you fly through the air and you see ice gnomes. (laughs) That's what people have said. And I don't know what that means, but apparently it's like the most amazing thing they've ever experienced. It's like a feeling of euphoria and then you see the ice gnomes. I want to do it. Another French term, name, meaning dwarf, is used to refer to small statues of gnomes. Okay, and there's a cute wee picture of a gnome watching a railway train, but I feel like he's really sad about it because he's like, fucking hell, they've ruined the environment by all these steam trains coming through the earth. A garden can be seen as a representation of the natural world, so it's also seen as a home to all kinds of spirits, including gnomes. 
They reveal a perspective of the past and their symbolism is one of the reasons why people put them in their gardens. So here are the meanings of the gnomes. Gnomes are protectors of the earth and its treasures. They guard precious stones and metals, especially underground. It's the symbolism of the gnomes being elemental of the earth and guardians in general. They're believed to bring good luck to the household, which is why, again, they put them in their house. But then I feel like they've been replaced by Buddhas, you know? People just yeah. put Buddhas in their house. Oh, shit. I mean, Bring I do have a huge Buddha head in oh, house. I know you do. You always mention that when I flag people off for having Buddhas. <laughs> and folklore norms are believed to look after homes, gardens and nature by protecting them from thieves and keeping pests from wreaking havoc. It's also believed that their hats are like protective helmets. The gnome's hat in folklore is believed to have been derived from the padded red hats of the miners of southern Germany. The miners wore hats to protect themselves from falling debris and allowed them to be visible in the dark. But the gnome's hat protects them from falling branches. That's what it says. I mean, they also, I suppose given yeah. the shape of them, the branches would be little people. Gnomes are also associated with hard work and craftsmanship. They often speak of gnomes as skilled artisans and craftsmen, especially in metalworking and gem cutting. Again, the Snow White thing. In the book Gnomes by Will Hagen, there are different types of gnomes based on their habitat. Garden gnomes, house gnomes, woodland gnomes, farm gnomes, gin gnomes and Siberian gnomes, the frozen beard ones, I guess. The creatures all symbolise hard work. Their location is important in folklore as it reveals not only their residence, but also their daily tasks. They are supposed to be very wise, again, not stupid. Maybe you get stupid gnomes, but in terms of stupidity, they're probably smarter than us. And they have an ancient knowledge. They're sometimes seen as the, their long beards are a symbol of their age and wisdom. So the longer the beard, the more wise they are. Some lore depicts gnomes' ability to help humans to grow bountiful gardens through their knowledge of herbology or their ability to churn the earth, I suppose. And they're always helping out with landscape chores during night and turning into stone during day. All right, so is that like a Toy Story thing? So like you can't, you can only see them. They only move at night, but they turn into little gnome statues. <laughs> but they are can it can be cheeky and play tricks on people and other creatures. Um, I mean that's basically it about about gnomes. I can't really say much else about them, really. I like them. I'm much like uh, mine. Yeah. That man invented them because he didn't. No, he didn't. No. Uh, in Poland, several statues of gnomes or dwarves can be found throughout the country. Each has a name and a detailed backstory. Most of them are swinging from the lampposts and peeking out from the doorways as if they're little residents. Oh, the society <laughs> of gnomes includes merchants, bankers, postmen, doctors, professors and gardeners. But this is weird. Each statue is a nod to the anti-Soviet resistance movement. Orange <laughs> alternative. Of course it is. To use gnomes or dwarves as its symbol. In the 1980s, the group peacefully protested through surrealist-inspired street art, the paintings of little gnomes. Later, there were whimsical public marches throughout the streets of Roklaw, where people wore orange caps. Hence, it was called Revolution of Gnomes and also Revolution of Dwarfs. I like that. You dress up as gnomes to fight the fucking Russian communist regime. <laughs> it's fun. Well, yeah. Um, the significance of a gnome's cap. Oh, this is weird. 
Okay, so they like I say, they're they're portrayed as wearing a pointed red cap and they're never seen outdoors without one. According to folklore, a gnome baby is given his first cap when he is born. The caps are usually made of felt, made from wool that is dyed with plant material. The cap is a form of protection, like I said, from falling sticks. They are also used as storage places, much as we use pockets. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Gnomes rarely have time for humans, whom whom they see as wasteful destroyers of the environment. However, they have on occasion been said to help humans that they feel are particularly hardworking or worthy. Are there any female gnomes? Yes, there are, but they're rarely heard about because they remain underground caring for their homes and children and preparing herbal medicines until after dark. So it's a bit... Yeah, a bit drop down in my estimations yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> they are also... Uh, well, we've gone over that about how they're good luck charms. And that's basically it about gnomes. So I think, for me, the gnomes... I would like to see the gnomes more as like I like to see them as more of the the original farmer that turned into the spirit that looked after the hearth. I like I, I see them more as elementals than the the various gnomes that you yes. like. Noddy is he a gnome? I don't know. He does have a blighting, like big ears and Noddy, like those kind of gnomes. Oh, and. Here's another one, like, have you seen Encha- Disenchanted with uh, it was Matt Gronin from The Simpsons? And it's on yes. Netflix. They're all gnomes. Or no, they're elves. Fuck. Scratch that. Forget it. <laughs> I just remembered because they're called things like Shocko and like, they're all elves, aren't they? Are they gnomes? No, they're elves. Because there's Elvio. And they've all yeah, yeah, sure. I was, I was like, are they? that made my brain break for a second. <laughs> I was like, I watched it, and it also. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the rest of it. I've, I've not, I've not seen it like the new seasons. But anyway, I quite like gnomes, although I think they could be quite sinister and scary, even though they're small. If there's a lot of them, you never know, and they're magical. They can bury underground. Um, they can make a really, really large turnip grow underneath you and then you fall and break your ankle. Yeah, they could. And like they, like the earlier story I said, they can create landslides because they can control rocks. So they could... <laughs> that like, is probably more dangerous than a big Yeah, turnip. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they can pulverise entire towns if they, don't, if they don't like your attitudes. So check yourself around the gnomes. Right, well, that's all I got to say. Indeed. I think we'll just leave it at that then. And are we carrying this on next week? Or are we going to skip skip that till later and do something else? Yeah, we can sling the other elementals like back on the list. and. What was the other one I was going to do? Fire? Uh, I think, yeah, if we, well, when we, we come up on the list again, you're going to do fire and I'm going to do water. Which is weird because I said earlier that I prefer the water, but I think I think the reason why I chose fire is because I'm always banging on about watery things, like in the <laughs> podcast. I do. I bring it up all the time. I think we do talk about we do talk about wet creatures quite wet a lot. Creatures. Yeah. So I want to talk about the fire. Um, and I don't really. They're salamanders, I think. The fire ones. They are, yeah. I just think they, they, the the way that um Parcellus, Parcelsius or Paracelsus described them. They sound quite slinky and and sexy, so I want to get to know them more. 
I'm just we looking shall. through all these pictures of these ladies. That yeah, I did, that's such a cool. Like, I do like that um that footlicker thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if like in the and going back to the picture, the blanket they've got. It's like they're wanting to taste the footlicker because they've they've painted their blanket with little dabs of looks like blood drops. You know what I mean? I also feel like the face that the couple are making is very <laughs> like, oh, don't tell them we're awake. <laughs> Yeah, they're enjoying the process. <laughs> like, as you say, they've deliberately set it up to be like, oh, keep they're your just, eyes closed, just pretend. Yeah, they're definitely into the, the whole fetish foot fetish thing. So they, they but, which is good for the foot licker, isn't it? If they've got those kind of people. Yeah, if everyone's object, into it, then it's fine. Yeah, exactly, and it's not it's not a scary thing for the, the it's not like an evil thing. They're 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 embracing it. They're welcoming the footlicker into their domain and want them to flick their feet. And maybe it's like a medicinal thing as well, like a bit of bloodletting. Yeah. Keeps them healthy, according to ancient medicine, medicinal sciences. I don't know. Maybe no, there is no basis in bloodletting to make yourself feel better, is there? Unless. Like, no, I guess I some people so. like to put. Well, unless you're a car, but that's more psychological, isn't it? I read a story about this woman who was so beautiful, right? Everyone loved her on the outside and wanted to basically sexually do sexy stuff with her, but she hated the fact that she got catcalled. Yeah, yeah, well, she didn't like being treated as an object of of beauty all the time. She wanted people to love her for who she is inside and out. And for that reason, she would cut herself because she wanted to see the inside of herself. Like, I don't know, it was just a way of releasing something. And she met this guy on the subway who would say to her, he was obsessed with bones. And he said, oh, you're so beautiful and actually prefer your bone structure and the inside of you. And then he and it ended with her agreeing to be like cut open by this guy. And he cut her so deep and bled her that flowers started coming out of her, growing out of her bones. And then he planted her and then he would water her every day. Didn't I don't know why it. that's a horror story. It sounds quite romantic to me, but anyway. Okay, I was going to go the opposite way and say, well, that's oh. one of the most horrific stories you've ever oh, told to okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's where my dark mind goes. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> yeah, but she got no. what she wanted in the end. Like, you know, she, she said she'd never felt happier and that, that someone appreciated her from the inside and rather than, like, I suppose, yeah a serial killer targeted her because he likes to collect bones and he fancies bones so either way they both got what they wanted Lovely. i don't know i just had to see that a different side to that really it's not like she was objecting to being murdered he wanted she wanted him to do it or do you think he manipulated her into, into agreeing um, to that very much think he manipulated her into agreeing uh, to that okay all right then all right, well, we'll end the podcast on that um, sinister note, and let's pick a number then between <laughs> one and what? A forty-one. Wow. Well, I'm forty this year, so I'm going to go with forty. A uh, number forty is. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough proboscis look and other VHS urban myths. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, so is urban myths to do with like VHS is 
Um, but I will start the episode next time with the short one that is the That's Enough for Bosco's Look story, which will take about two minutes, but will very much entertain you. You're Are not you allowed talking... to look up before next week. I'm confused. Are you talking about the, the horror anthology VHS? No, like just like urban myths to do with VHS tapes. VHS tapes. Okay. Yeah. But where's and I suppose you can throw thing? Betamax tapes in there as well, but like... Yeah, okay. Makes me think of the mighty bush when there was a Betamax monster that lived in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the only way you could defeat him was to like rewind him or, or pull out all his tape. I'm not sure what happened there. But yeah, I, was, I, might, I might have to look that up and talk about it. But it's not really a myth, it's just something that happened on the Mighty Bush, the Beta <laughs> Max monster. <laughs> anyway, let's um I'm gonna go out and <laughs> I'm gonna go and leave him um, some rice pudding for the gnomes. And what are you gonna do, Mark? Uh, I'm probably gonna jump up and down in my back garden and see if any air elementals left me up in the sky. Yeah, fair enough. I'd quite like um, that smoky, big-titted air element to come down and mo- like let me like push push my face into your massive air tits. All right. Mm. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>